If you have a toddler who has entered the terrible twos, or you know of one, you know that if a toy is taken away, it's mine. They want it back. They tend to be selfish and materialistic. Kristen Welch says that when it comes to materialism, most times the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We don't have to teach our kids how to compare themselves to other people. We don't have to teach ourselves how to compare ourselves. We do that naturally. We are very good at seeing what other people have and wanting what they have. I mean, it's a Ten Commandment not to covet what our neighbor has. We are excellent at that. But what we're not so great at is comparing ourselves to people with less. We'll talk about the sense of entitlement that creeps in, in our kids and in our lives on this edition of Family Life This Week. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life This Week. Hi, I'm Michelle, and I have a problem with stuff. I collect stuff, and I like my stuff, and I want more stuff. You've probably seen my show on HGTV. It's all about hoarders, or it's all about someone who can't give up their stuff because they want more stuff. And all I have to do is go to Amazon.com, and Amazon tells me I need more stuff. I have a problem, don't I? Well, you might be able to relate to this, or you know someone who can relate to this. Today on Family Life This Week, we're going to talk about materialism and our entitlement mentality. This is Thanksgiving month, and many, many people are counting their blessings and they're writing down one thing every day that they are thankful for. Are we truly thankful, or do we just collect more stuff in a never-ending surge to fill our soul? Kristen Welch is going to help us understand the entitlement mentality with our kids, but also with us. She has written the book, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. Kristen and her husband realized how entitled their kids were when they took their kids to a livestock show and rodeo one weekend. Here's Kristen sharing her story with Bob Lapine and Dennis Rainey. You begin your book with a story about uh, some cowboy boots. You, you took some <laughs> yes. kids to a rodeo, and uh, you gave them a treat, which should have resulted in happy kids. Right. In gratitude. Yeah, the rodeo down in my part of Texas is a very big deal. Uh, it's the largest rodeo in the area. And we go every year and we save our money and it's a big deal. And my kids look forward to it. And this was the year that we decided all three of our kids were going to get their first pair of cowboy boots. And that's a big expenditure. And so we told the kids and we got in the car and headed. It's about a 45-minute drive. And as we made our way towards the livestock show and rodeo, the arguing and the he's touching me and I wanted to sit in the middle, all of those conversations started. And one of my kids in particular had been really just struggling with attitude for several weeks and, and just pushing all those buttons and complaining a lot and that child was on my radar, especially that day, because um, they were instigating a lot of the squabbling in the back seat. 
And so my husband and I, as we're driving and riding, I just kept turning around and saying, you guys need to stop. You need to quit arguing, quit fighting, and um, we're going to have a great day. And it continued to the point where, you know, I said, well, maybe boots aren't something that we should get. You know how we are as parents. We we dangle the carrot <laughs> and then we yeah, take it away. In, in hopes of it motivating it's somebody. It's a bribe is it what is it is. Bribe. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, So we were bribing our kids with boots. <laughs> and um, it continued, but, you know, they, they took us seriously for a little bit. And so we found the the boot area in the, the big tent and uh, started trying on boots and finding the right size and the right price range. You know, it took about an hour, but we got all three of our kids their first pair of cowboy boots, and then we went and ate like all the fried food that we could find, fried Oreos and yes. fried yeah. bacon. Yes. I mean, they fry everything. <laughs> and we had a great day. It was a great day. But it was on the way home that I really noticed that this same child just started in again on the, really an ungrateful heart. It's it's what I heard, just a lot of ingratitude. And um, complaining and arguing and fighting, but there it wasn't just being tired from an exhausting day. It was a sinful struggle that that they were having, and so we started in again on correcting and disciplining. And do you want to keep your cow- you want cowboy keep- boots? <laughs> yes, and that's that was the final straw. You do go. you want to keep your cowboy boots? We can turn this car around. Yes. <laughs> the store is once. still open. That's right. And that's exactly what my husband said. Did he? He did. Wow. He said, this is going to stop right now, and you've lost your boots. And my child from the back seat, but what about Grace? Oh. <laughs> and I said, Grace was getting you the boots in the first place. There you go. That's right. This is um, mercy that you're not yeah. going to spanking in addition. Exactly. Mercy is taking him away. Um, and so my husband, I looked at him and I could tell by the tilt of his chin that, you know, I better just be quiet and let him mm-hmm. have this moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, his tone, he's he's a more of a quiet guy, so I knew he was very serious. Mm-hmm. And he just said, that's it. If you want these boots, you're going to have to work for them because what we gave in in grace and love has now become something that we're taking away because of your ungrateful heart. And if you want them back, if you don't want them back, that's fine. But if you do, it's going to cost you something. You know, it's interesting as you tell that story, I'm thinking of the nation of Israel grumbling in the mm-hmm. wilderness and God still gave them manna and quail. Right. And that was what they needed to survive. But there was blessing withheld from the nation because of their grumbling and their disobedience. It's not inappropriate for us as parents to say, when, when you have an ungrateful heart, mm-hmm. when you do grumble and whine and complain, uh, life will not go as well for you as it otherwise would. Right. And that's exactly, it was really a a growing issue that we just weren't sure how to deal with, you know, other than just the sending them to their room or writing sentences or, you know, trying, pulling every resource we had from our tool belt. But we knew that the siblings had their boots and they were keeping them and that this is, this was special. This was something that wasn't going to come along again. And um, if you want to work for them, then you can have them. And so my husband pointed out to we were home at that time and he put the boots up on the 
laundry shelf high in the laundry room and pointed to the backyard and the front yard. And we live in humid, wet Houston. Right. And he said, if you want the boots, you have three days to pull all the weeds in both of the front and backyard. It was spring. We hadn't really started our yard work after winter. It was a big job. And my heart sank because I knew that we're dealing with a strong-willed child here who would really have to want those boots. And uh, You thought she might bow her back at this point. I did. And not ever get them. And, and that's sort of the battleground that you— you wager with kids, especially strong-willed kids, you know. But giving a choice was also the one, I think, uh, secret weapon we had because mm-hmm. knowing that she could walk away mm-hmm. gave her power. So how many years did it take before she <laughs> earned them? <laughs> well, to make matters worse, it was raining that day. And uh, she waited a few hours. And um, as a mom, I was... I was heartbroken for my daughter. You know, just that it was sad because it was such a good day. And you hate ending a special day that way. But as a parent, I was very proud. And it was the day that we called out entitlement in our home. It was the day that we waged war against it. Mm. And everything changed from that moment on. And when I heard the front door open and I saw her walk out into the rain in work clothes, and kneel down and start pulling weeds. I felt like we'd we'd won. And it wasn't a, you know, when you win, then you also have a loser. Right. But I didn't feel like my daughter had lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like she won too. She had learned a valuable lesson. She had learned a valuable lesson. And it took about three days for her to pull all those weeds. And um, and it was it was extreme. I mean, it was it was harsh. But if we paid her by the hour. That's probably what she would have earned to get those those boots back. And when my husband handed him to her, he said, we will never take these away from you again because you earned them. And it was a good lesson. As you look at um, moms and dads and young people growing up today, do you think entitlement is a bigger issue today than when Bob and I raised our families? I mean, it, it was affluent back then. They had a lot of options, a lot of choices. We may have not had the electronics that you have today. What, what are you seeing and hearing from other moms and uh, their families? I do think it's a, a bigger problem. It, it seems to be a bigger problem than even when I was a child. I think technology has a lot to do with it. We can have everything instantaneously. We can download everything we want. We can have the Internet in our back pocket. We don't have to wait and get home and dial up and <laughs> wait to connect. We... Um, can watch Netflix in the car. I mean, we can have what we want when we want it. And I think we've pacified our kids with technology to the point of making it easy. It is easier for us. I mean, there's no doubt that as parents, it's easier to give in than to stand firm. And I think with advances in technology, it has made it more convenient for us to make that choice. You said the cowboy boot incident was the day you addressed entitlement in your home. Do you look back on that as a, a turning point where you first said, we got an issue here that we got to dig out at the roots? Yes, definitely. It was a turning point for our family. I think up until that point, we thought it was a phase or a stage or this is what all kids experience. 
but really it was something that had a grasp, a grip on our family. And we were in the season where we were traveling a lot overseas and exposing our kids to other cultures and, and countries and the way that other people live. And through that, it just magnified the entitlement. It was like putting a magnifying glass on this, this attitude. Some scary stuff, huh? Kristen Welsh talking about entitlement. And we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to find out how deep that entitlement mindset went in their hearts. Stay tuned. We'll be back in two minutes. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. No, the writer of Psalm 100 was not referencing today the national holiday we call Thanksgiving. He was talking about standing before the Lord with a heart of gratitude. He continues, Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. This Thanksgiving, be sure to pause between bites of turkey and pumpkin pie and express your deep gratitude to the Lord, who is faithful to all generations. And then tell him how grateful you are for each member of your family. Oh, and don't forget to tell them you're grateful for them, too. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. I can't move anything. Did the doctor express any hope? I'm pretty sure she's going to come off of the ventilator. And beyond that, hope is discouraged. Sometimes God leads us on very difficult paths. Is God still good whether someone walks again or not? On the Unfavorable Odds podcast, Kim Anthony talks with guests who have faced extraordinarily difficult circumstances. That was really the last meaningful conversation I'd ever had with my three-year-old child. How should we respond when the events of life leave us despairing? Lord, please let me go home to heaven to be with you now. I cannot do this. In the midst of our despair, there is still strength and hope found in Jesus. I heard that my worst nightmare had occurred, and it was so surprising to me what came out of my mouth. You can find the Unfavorable Odds podcast with Kim Anthony wherever you get your podcasts or go to familylife.com slash podcasts. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. You've heard of the name Rockefeller, right? Well, there was a time in history when John D. Rockefeller was one of the richest men in the world. And he was asked this question, how much money do you need? And his answer was, just one more dollar. We all tend to live that way, don't we? Well, I don't want to say all, but a lot of us tend to live that way if we just had one more dollar. One more dress, one more pair of shoes, one more set of tools, one more guitar amplifier. You get... Not a guitar amplifier. (laughs) You get the idea, right? Well, we've been listening to Kristen Welch share her story about her family's entitlement, and that entitlement went deeper than she ever imagined. Here's Kristen continuing her story with Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine. Well, you're traveling 
in third world countries that you did and then that you've done as a family, that does have a way of uh, forcing the reality of all of our entitlement mentalities to the surface. You, you can't travel to a place like Kenya where you've done a lot of work mm-hmm. without coming home and going, we take a ton for granted. Right. And I think what when I look back on that day, it wasn't just my kids' entitlement that I saw. It was my own. Yeah. In fact, I want you to comment on something there. It was when you and your husband named it and started calling it what it was, not only with your kids, but between you two, that it really was transformational in your marriage and family. Yeah. It it was something that I was struggling with, and it had started early in my marriage that I saw that I was I was struggling with entitlement. And probably one of the first times that I noticed it was an issue for me was our one of our first Christmases together. We um, didn't have a lot of money for gifts for each other, but we allotted a, a small amount of money and decided to buy each other gifts with that amount of money. And I took that $100 bill and I bought as many gifts as I could for my husband. I bought him an old Risk game off of eBay that he he loved to play Risk, but it was like an antique Risk game and just little things that he loved. And I got as many gifts. And again, this is how I'm processing. So like, you, you had a collection. You had seven, eight, nine gifts? Yes. Right. And on Christmas morning, we were with his family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone's taking turns opening gifts. I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. And... Um, no one is bringing me any gifts. Mm-hmm. And so as everyone's taking turns, and I'm a, that's my love language. Mm-hmm. I love gifts. Mm-hmm. And so he's opening nine or 10 gifts and we have gifts for his family and, and the adults weren't exchanging gifts. So literally I had nothing in my pile. And so he walks over after everything is done. He walks over to the Christmas tree and pulls an ornament off the tree. And inside the ornament, it's a pearl necklace. And I said, thank you. And then I went to the bathroom and I cried because it wasn't enough. Come on, a pearl necklace? I know. I know. And he probably like shopped a great sale and used coupons. And But I think I equated love and gifts with stuff and a lot of stuff, not necessarily one meaningful gift. Mm-hmm. And it was very immature and, and I was very young, but that was really up until around the time of the boot story, my next door neighbor called me over to her house. And this is maybe 15 years later, right. but this has been growing in me. Um, 15 years later, my next door neighbor called me over to come show me her new wood floors. And this is someone who was probably 20 years older than me at the time. They had paid for their house. They'd lived in the same house all of these years. We opened the front door to her house, and her kitchen remodel was gorgeous. New appliances, new backsplash, the countertops, and her floors were glorious. And I just walked around with my mouth open and loved every bit of it. And, and I walked— And then you went back to your house. <laughs> yeah. Opened my front door, and this is what I said to my husband. We need to redo our floors. And while we're at it, our kitchen needs some work, too. 
New appliances. New appliances. Can I tell you, this never stops. <laughs> we had this conversation this week at our house where Marianne has— Well, you had some early ones in, in your marriage too, Bob. Well, we, we, we've been through this. I mean, this is a cycle that you get in, and you do have to keep reminding yourself of what's true because Marianne had just come back from a friend's house where a remodel had been done, and she calls me over and says— Look at here at our baseboards where this doesn't and and this has never and this is always but and I go, we're we're here again, aren't we? And then she said to herself, and there are people who would love to live in a house like right. our house. And you juxtapose an entitlement mentality with a gratitude mentality. Just explain how gratitude works to defeat entitlement. Well, I think gratitude is the opposite of entitlement. I think being thankful for what we have, saying thank you and meaning it, finding ways to count our blessings. You know, when my kids are going through a hard time or they're having a bad day or they're feeling discouraged, one of the first things that I tell them to do is, okay, yes, I hear the situation that you've just said. You're right. It's hard. Try to validate what they're saying. But at the same time, what can you look at in this situation that is good? Mm. What can you be thankful for in this situation? Okay, so this teacher is really hard, but what can you be thankful for? There's tutoring after school, or there's um, your dad's really great at math. Or there's only two more months left in the semester. <laughs> or summer is coming. <laughs> but if we if we look at our lives that way and we try to find something to be thankful for, we count our blessings, mm. it makes us realize what we have. We do little things, practical things in our house. You know, we do highs and lows of the day. So while we're sitting around eating dinner together, everyone goes around and we all share one high and one low of the day. And we can get that. We always share the low first so that we can end on the high because there's always something in every day we can be thankful for, even if it's a really bad day. You can keep a gratitude journal that we then, we write in it and then it Thanksgiving or at Christmas, we'll pull that out and we'll laugh at the things that we wrote down six months ago that we were grateful for. There's always something to be thankful for. I keep thinking of Philippians 4. Paul, who had been in prison as well as having lived in in nice places, said, I've learned that contentment doesn't come from what bed you're sleeping on at night or what you had to eat for dinner last night. Contentment comes from uh, knowing who God is and from having your value, your worth, your strength, all of that found in him, that's a great section of Scripture, not just to help your kids memorize. Right. The secret of being content is something we all have to learn. Yeah, and I just want to ask you about the secret of being content. If you had one piece of advice for a mom, dad, grandparent listening right now to our broadcast, and maybe it's a single person or a young married couple who's listening who are struggling with this in their apartment where, where they're living, what is the best piece of advice you could give? I got it. It's turn the car around <laughs> and take the boots back until you get your attitude yes. right, young man. That does work. <laughs> that does work. Or go pull out all the weeds. That's right. That works. I think, I don't know if you can narrow it down to one key, but for us, for my family, it's been the word perspective. We don't have to teach our kids how to compare themselves to other people. We don't have to teach ourselves how to compare ourselves. We do that naturally. We are very good at seeing what other people have and wanting what they have. I mean, it's a Ten Commandment not to covet what our neighbor has. 
We are excellent at that. But what we're not so great at is comparing ourselves to people with less. And when we do that, we put ourselves in the middle and we can see, okay, this person has more, but this person has less. And we find ourselves in the middle. And perspective is really the birthplace of gratitude because it makes us thankful for what we have. My kids were serving with their church youth group and they were helping to rebuild a house in Texas from all the flooding that we just encountered. And they were ripping out sheetrock and they were pulling up rotten floors. And I got a text from my 16-year-old daughter and I picked up my phone just making sure they were okay because it's always sort of uh, scary sending your kids off to do these things. And her text stopped me in my tracks. It said, Mom, did you know there are people in our town who don't have floors? And this is a kid who's, it's easy for her to compare herself to people with more. It's easy for our culture of kids to compare, you know, so-and-so has the latest iPhone or the most um, advanced Xbox or whatever it is, and they feel like they have less. But when she saw that someone didn't have floors, when she came home that day, she laid down on the, the floor and she was like, I'm so glad we have floors. And it was just perspective. It was reminding her that there's always going to be someone with more, but there's always someone with less. And I think that's the key, that we have to break out of our bubbles. And, you know, I, I love my family. I love my kids. I try my best to be an intentional parent. And I spent the first 10 years doing everything I could to raise a godly family but I didn't do it very often outside of my four walls. I didn't focus on others. I didn't give my kids opportunities to see how other people live. And I think I did them a disservice. And so for us, the key has been throwing open those doors, raising the windows, getting to know our neighbors, and finding places to serve and to give to others. And, and that has brought perspective like nothing else has. Kristen Welch with an incredible life-changing story about entitlement and how they went from the entitlement mentality to how do we look around and see the world outside of our home? And how do we reach out to our neighbors? How do we how do we give? How do we be charitable? How do we be kind? You know, and it's Thanksgiving week, or we're looking towards Thanksgiving. And I just challenge you to be thinking about that too. Be looking for where you can be giving not just of your time, not just of your finances, but maybe of your stuff. Maybe look around and until Christmas Day, give away one item a day or one item a week. And also have that conversation with your spouse about what Christmas will look like, what really needs to be on the Christmas list, and what might be too much that continues to entitle our children. Just something to think about on this weekend. Hey, I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, our founder, Dennis Rainey, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holtz and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator, all of which do not have problems with stuff or entitlement. Ah! <laughs> 
Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.